If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Sports Card Nation, the hobby is the people. Weekly news and interviews, it's your number one source. Sports Card Nation, the hobby is the people. Welcome to another jam-packed episode of the Sports Card Nation podcast. The show that brings you all the important news from the sports card hobby. We'll have some debates, opinions, new release schedules, and info. Plus, we'll also discuss the sports that so directly affect the hobby we all love. We'll mix in an occasional gambling tip or two, throw in some life stuff, and bring you great guest interviews from the hobby and sports dignitaries. And if you're good listeners, we may even give away a few things now and then. Now, here's the guy who wanted the cards and not the gum, John Newman. for another episode of the Sports Card Nation podcast, number 58, if you're scoring at home. I uh, hope 2020 has been very good to you so far. So far, we can't complain. Every year, I, I'm a goal type of guy. I don't, I don't like to overdo it, but I like to pick three or four things I want to work on uh, in the coming year, whether that be in my personal life, now with the podcast, you know, job and career. And so for the podcast ones, I picked three or four goals that I, I, I want to try to accomplish. And remember, you don't want, to me, I don't like to list too many. It just is, you know, unless you're really on point, it's going to be hard to hit every goal if you just list too many. And then maybe you set yourself up for disappointment. So we for the show-wise, I kind of listed three or four. I've actually posted it on our Twitter account. One of the things 
uh, I'm going to try to do show-wise is, is, I don't even want to say show-wise, it's kind of just an, an online thing, is try to spend about 30 to 40% less time on social media. That's Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and, and those sort of things. I, I, you know, quite frankly, sometimes I, I just get on those and I'm on there too long and, and away from other things. And uh, I don't want to do that. You know, obviously I got to be on those with the show and, and, and other things. But I think I can still uh, produce what I do and, and post uh, and just do a little bit less kind of just surfing and Twitter scrolling and, and just kind of do what I got to do. Look at a few posts. Uh, you know, uh, and 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 then just get offline, so to speak, and back back into the real world, if you will. I think, you know, that's a rabbit hole. I think probably some of you are listening to me talk about this right now, and probably saying, "Yeah, I know exactly what John's talking about." Uh, you know, you lose track of time, and you you know, say, "I'll just go on Twitter real quick or Instagram uh, real quick," and uh, you know, an hour and a half later. You're 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 getting off of it, and uh, I'm guilty as my myself, and that's what I need to try to cut down, and 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 so, um, uh, that's one of my goals is to, to produce and and uh, content and and post tweets, and and I'm not not gonna post, but just try to do it by spending thirty or forty percent less time in the process, and that may mean less scrolling or less reading other tweets. Um, but uh, I think it needs to be done uh, so I can uh, attend to some other things uh, and family and, and that sort of thing. So uh, that's one of my goals. Another thing with the with the shows, we do a ton of giveaways, and, and I don't want to not do them. And we're, so we're going to do them, um, but we're going to just be smarter with the shipping, uh, you know, and, and maybe do some more cash giveaways where we just, you know, mail somebody a check or PayPal, uh, a winner, they're they're winning. So I think we're gonna probably do more more money giveaways than we did uh, last year, and 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 maybe less cards. But I still want to do cards and and memorabilia and give that stuff away. And obviously, uh, with Iron Sports, they've been gracious enough to give away some free submissions with with PSA. So uh, we're still gonna do giveaways. Don't you know if you read that social media post about you know, cutting down on shipping costs or whatnot. We're still going to be doing plenty of giveaway. We just got to be a little more strategic uh, about it and smarter about it. One of the other things I, I wrote down to is maybe a little more travel pertaining to the podcast. Maybe going, you know, to the East Coast National here in New York, which are not super far. I recently uh, hung out with, with Eric Norton of uh, Beckett Media in Toronto, but maybe do uh, some more of that, getting out there in and, and, and support of the show. And and the last thing I wrote down is just where the show has come from November 10th to here in, in January 2020. It's it just it's light years. And uh, just keep that momentum. Keep doing what we're doing. It, it, it's obviously worked to... To the success of the program, not to, you know, not to be conceited, but it's it's been a, a successful launch and run, and and just keep that that going. You know, there's twenty something podcasts, so you you gotta, you know, you, you gotta keep it fresh, you gotta keep it moving, and uh, and that's what we're gonna strive to do. So uh, we'll see 
uh, how that goes. And it, it's always good to, to write a few, three, four goals uh, that you want to do, with, not even just with a podcast, but in your personal life, a business, uh, whatever, fit, you know, uh, fitness-wise or what, what have you. So, uh, you know, it, it's good to, to, you know, have points to, to try to reach. Uh, our guest today on the show, uh, his name is Brian Flynn. He's a freelance writer. Uh, recently did a huge article. Speaking of all the podcasters and all the shows, he did a, a, a huge article with some of the bigger shows in the sports card podcast genre. Uh, interviewed us, uh, myself included, and, and many others. And that feature was the cover story on the January 3rd Sports Collectors Digest. It's a uh, publication, uh, my a younger me in the hobby, uh, read. I remember, I think I even advertised a little bit in it back in the day. And it, it's funny to be uh, one of the logos on the cover and in that uh, story. It, it's a really cool moment for me. So uh, I'm going to turn the tables on Brian. I'm going to have him on uh, the show today and ask him uh, some questions. Uh, uh, he's been, he's around my age, and uh, so we have a lot of similarities. He also got his his start working in the card store, so we share that common thread as well. So, uh, and he's really a really good guy. It's one of, again, I know I, I use that term a lot, but it's warranted here. A good guy uh, in the hobby, uh, doing good work with his writings, and, and someone who loves the hobby and is trying to, to promote it and shine a positive light on it and uh happy he came on and uh, uh we're going to talk about a, a gamut of things uh, uh from from our younger days uh, which which shows and and to current times and uh, uh i think you'll find that that interesting so happy to have him uh, on board the show today Sports Card Nation podcast is your weekly hobby and sports podcast, now on 10 platforms. iTunes, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public, Anchor, Pocket Cast, Breaker, CastBox, and Overcast. Listen to in over 26 countries globally. Sports Card Nation podcast is one of the most interactive podcasts around, providing great content, giveaways, and some of the hobby's best interview guests without time constraints. Thousands can't be wrong. We want to thank all the wonderful listeners around the world, all our great guests, and our tremendous sponsors for making us what we are today. As always, without you, there is no us. It's time for What's Cracking. This is a segment of the show now where we've mixed the hobby news and the sports news together. Uh, Main reason, they they really correlate with each other and one does affect the other. Let's start off with with big hobby news uh, just announced by Tops. A one million... A card rip, they're calling it. It's going to take place on February 4th. 
at AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas. There's going to it's going to be live streamed uh, interviews with players, and they're going to rip three thousand. That's right, three thousand twenty twenty tops baseball hobby boxes, uh, one million cards, various breakers. Uh, before I get into specifics, let me let me give you all the rundown. Uh, this is a day ahead of the actual release, which is February 5th. Taking some heat. Uh, obviously a huge event. Top's trying to do it big. And taking some heat because uh, a lot of people are upset that not all cards are shipping. Uh, and, and that sort of thing. It's I, I don't know if it's invite only, but I know it's live streamed. And... It's a lot of cards, and it makes you think if a million, you know, here's my take on it. You know, Tops obviously can do whatever they want to do. It's, it's, it's their company, but, you know, I, I we're kind of getting in this age, you know, back in the 80s, Coke and Pepsi used to battle each other and try to beat each other and be the best, and I'm starting to think we're kind of getting like that. In, in the card world with, with Tops and Panini. You know, one's trying to out-event uh, the other one. And and here's Tops' latest foray uh, to do that. And, you know, I, I put a joke uh, tweet on Twitter, you know, Panini's going to do a $2 million, uh, two million card rip and out of space, and all the base cards are just going to float away, and they're going to bring back to Earth all the uh, parallels and inserts and autos and mem cards. But, you know, obviously a joke. But now that's where we seem like to be going. Uh, you know, a lot of people upset uh, about base cards not shipping. And I, I, I understand that. I want to talk, talk more about the optics uh, of this event. That's a lot of cards at one day, at one sitting before the next day's the even release day. And, you know, one of the big bugaboos about the current card market, everyone knows what it is. It's oversaturation. Are we headed for, you know, a crash of, of the overproduction of the 90s? And, and, and everyone that's old enough remembers that. And this doesn't help that perception and you know it's it's to the point it just uh you know that many cards that day there, there's just going to be a, a ton of 2020 flagship uh produced I, I i don't even think folks there's a debate that there's an overproduction anymore it's just how much water can this boat hold and that's that's really the the question it's not we're, we we really got to stop asking if there's overproduction now I, I guess overproduction can be, you know, defined different ways. Overproduction in the 90s meant stuff didn't sell and sat on shelves and collected dust and, and, and that sort of thing. I think overproduction in today's day and age, because of breakers, and they do a great job, it's not their fault, I'm not blaming them, but because of the breaking industry, nothing collects dust anymore. But that doesn't mean it's still overproduced, and I think... Tops 2020, early on, before it even comes out, uh, guys, is, is showing the, to the levels of overproduction of these cards. And um, that's what, I don't want to say scares me, I'm not scared, but that's what concerns me is, you know, how does this all, when the smoke really clears, how does this all wind up? And I, I told you, one of my goals, uh, uh, you know, when I wrote down my goals 
card-wise for 2020, I am going to open a lot less wax this year. It's, it's not can I, it's going to be I will not open that much wax this year. Now, listen, I'm going to buy cards. I'm going to open some wax. I'm not giving it up cold turkey. But my goal is to drop my wax consumption from 80% from 2019 to 2020. Keep that number in mind because in 2019, I dropped my wax consumption from 75% from 2018. So I'm going to be opening very, very little wax. I've only wrote down a few products where I'm going to buy a box or two of each. And what I'm going to do is refocus some of what I do. Uh, I'm going to buy singles if I believe in a a player or, you know, I like the prospect, uh, which I've always done that. That's not a new strategy for me, but I'm going to continue to do that. Just buy cards of, you know, first Bowman's of a rookie that I think is going to be, or a prospect that I think is going to be, you know, a future superstar potentially. Now that's, you know, that's risky. Nothing's guaranteed. I'm going to do that. I'm going to only open a few boxes and more more hobby uh, rather than retail. I'm really trying to give it up on, on the retail side. The other thing I'm, I'm going to pivot to is, is buying more vintage uh, wax. And, uh, not wax. Well, well, a little bit, but vintage players. And what I'm starting to do is starting to buy some vintage wax. Stuff that's, are, you know, so much has been open. And I'm not talking junk wax either. I'm, I'm talking like some of the, the, the years, 85 Donruss, for those that don't know, is my favorite product. Uh, pretty much of, of, you know, that era. And uh, so I'm going to buy some 85 Donruss wax. And I bought some, I uh, haven't got it you know, just yet, some 89 Upper Deck wax, you know, with the Griffey Rookies. I know it's not, you know, a, a shortage of them. But just key, certain key years for me, uh, you know, 84 Tops. 84 Donruss with the Madden Lees and, and that sort of thing. Just certain key years. So when I say vintage wax, I'm not talking 50s and 60s stuff that's like, you know, in like mile high auctions and heritage auctions. I'm talking, you know, maybe late 70s if I'm lucky. Definitely key sets of the 80s and and, uh, and that sort of thing. So that's that's where I'm going to go more. Uh, and then also back into to vintage a little bit. Stuff that's it's what's already been produced is produced, and not into this oversaturated realm of the modern card market. Market, and I want to, full disclosure, folks. I love the modern car market. I'm not trying to throw dirt on it, but I'm just I've been in this industry for almost 40 years now. Uh, I've seen some things. I've learned some things. I don't know everything. I'm not saying that. But I just, I'm, I'm noticing stuff, and I think other, I'm not the only one, other people are too, and the oversaturation, some, at some point, you know, there's a saying, at some point, the music stops, you know, whether you're an athlete, your career's over, uh, you know, if you're in the, in the workforce, you're going to retire, hopefully, uh, someday, and, and, and in the hobby, the music is going to stop in some point is it going to be like it the crash of the 90s uh, no i don't i don't believe that i've said that on the show before i, I don't think it'd be even anywhere remotely 
close to that. But something is going to happen, or it has to. And so I'm going to try to be preemptive in that. I've, I've pivoted some of my buying and selling strategies, and it's just me. I don't know. I could be wrong. I could make a mistake like anyone else. It's, it's like anything else uh, in life. Investing in stocks and bonds and bullion, you could make bad decisions. But uh, to me, one of the bad decisions is really pouring a lot of money into this modern-day glutton of wax production, and, and I'm going to move away from that. So it's uh, to me, it's not... I know Topps want, wants the wow factor, but while it may have some wow factor, I also think this, there's some optics here that aren't so good. You're starting to see a lot of these other uh, publications, magazines, online reporting agencies starting to mention, uh, you know, even even publications that are not necessarily normally card stories starting to to run with stories about overproduction of cards. So it's reaching even to those levels uh, outside the hobby. So it, it, you know, it, it's 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 making the rounds, and uh, I'm going to try to be. A little bit preemptive about it. So my goal this year, 80% less wax consumption than 2019. That one's going to be tricky, especially considering I already went 75% less in 2019 than I did in 2018. Now I've really, really got to be focused, disciplined, and 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 stay on that that path to do it. But I think I I think I can hit that number. We'll see. I'll. I'll Try to give updates periodically to to how I'm doing uh, as far as those goals go. Let's get a quick word from one of our awesome sponsors, and we'll be right back with more sports and hobby news. What's up, Sports Card Nation? Matt here from Firebox Cases. Since I started making Fireboxes, one of our slogans has been, Keep your fire in, not real fire out. Well, that's not true anymore. Starting today, Firebox does both. Our Firebox Pro line of cases is heat-resistant to 194 degrees Fahrenheit. But that's just one element of protection Firebox Pro offers. They are waterproof, dustproof, UV-proof, chemical-resistant, crush-resistant, the list goes on and on. The Pro line hangs its hat on protection, but let's not forget about improved capacity. All Pro models hold huge amounts of slabs, but the big daddy of capacity is the slab locker the hobby's first whole collection solution. It holds an incredible 330 PSA slabs or 205 BGS slabs in any combination and is still easily portable thanks to its built-in trolley. In fact, all Fireboxes are easily portable because Firebox is the only brand of card case that gives you a detachable shoulder strap with every model. You've heard me say it by now, but the hobby isn't in the junk era anymore, so why are you still storing your cards in boxes made of junk? Go to fireboxcases.com today and use promo code SCNPOD to get 10% off your order of a premium case to reflect your premium cards. That's fireboxcases.com, promo code SCNPOD to keep your fire in and real fire out. So let's talk a little bit about sports. Let's talk about some of the rookies. I know we don't talk about hockey all the time, NHL rookies. Uh, Not a great year, to be honest with you. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I mean, you got, uh, you know, Capo Caco with the Rangers. He's got about 16 points kind of in the doghouse of, of Coach Quinn. But, uh, you know, three rookies I want to say that are doing uh, well. Uh, the, the leading point getter is Victor Olofsson. Uh, Kale McCarr, uh, Olofsson has 35 points. Kale McCarr with 32. And remember that Jack Hughes rookie? Uh, sensation, number one pick, going to be great, the next superstar. Now, there's another Hughes that's third in the scoring for rookies. Might have heard of him. His name is Quinn with the Canucks. He's third in points, I believe, with 30-something at the time of this recording. So, a Hughes is doing good. It's just not Jack. It's Quinn. And so, pretty interesting in hockey. I wanted to, you know, talk a little bit about that, at least talk about rookies when it comes to to cards. Uh, Let's talk about basketball rookies since we're on that uh, motif. You know, we all know John Morant's tearing it up, uh, uh, looking like he's going to be the best player not named Zion in this draft. Uh, And looks like he's going to be one of those all-purpose players. He can score the ball. He can dish it out, averaging about 6.6 assists a game. Three guys that really started badly, shooting the ball uh, not well, are now starting to pick it up. So now might be a time to buy some of these guys' cards while they're a little bit at the lower levels. And the three guys that I'm talking about, R.J. Barrett, starting to play better in New York. Uh, Ree Hachimura, starting to pick it up in Washington. And really starting to pick it up, Kobe White in Chicago. Uh, how about the rookie no one's talking about, at least hobby-wise, really? Uh, Kendrick Nunn uh, with the Heat. Uh, one of the better rookies this year that you don't hear nothing about. And a guy that really went on a pretty good two-week tear for Detroit, Seiko Dumboya. Now, I'm not sure I'm sold on him. I, I kind of put up a, a, a poll question. Is he just a flavor of the moment, or do you believe in him in the long haul? It's a pretty close vote right now. It just started, but so it's too early uh, to, to, to tell. But uh, a guy like that kind of makes me nervous, you know. Is he just kind of getting a hot streak and, 
you know, if you're going to invest money or, or spend a lot of money and buy some of his stuff, uh, you know, I'd like to get put it into a guy that might have some long-term all-star type value. I'm not sure if he does. What say you? Give me some feedback uh, there. Let's go back to sports. Some football coaches uh, are hired. Uh, Joe Judge is leaving the Patriots and headed to the Giants. Uh, pretty no-nonsense guy. Very young, though. Uh, kind of a outside-the-box hire. But uh, the Giants, you know, I guess, the, you know, want to go younger after Shermer and a little more, uh, you know, maybe pedigree, hoping some of Belichick uh, wore off on him. Mike McCarthy is back in Dallas. To me, that's sort of a strange pick there by Jerry Jones. I think they're just trying to play it safe and not go out on a limb with one of these young thing, uh, young prospect coaches. Uh, I, I wonder if they made some extension to Lincoln Riley and Urban Meyer, and maybe they got a couple no's there. You know, to work under Jerry Jones is not uh, easy, kind of calls the shots, and head coaches don't like GMs being the owner too. So uh, I wonder if he got spurned by a couple bigger names or hotter names and, and settled with Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy's a pretty good coach. Uh, we'll see how that all plays out. And one of those big, hot, young college prospect coaches uh, did make it to the NFL, but not with the Dallas Cowboys. Winds up in Carolina uh, with the Panthers. And we'll, you know, a little plug for our, our other podcast that me and Drew from Let Me Get That Podograph do. Uh, Roughing the Passer, Thursday night preview show at 10 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Facebook Live. And our Sunday night regular show at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And, and these will definitely be uh, topics of hot discussion. While we're still talking football, let's go back to cards. Derrick Henry. Very affordable. The guy had a monster football year. Uh, looks like he's going to be uh, live up to the potential that uh, he was drafted at after kind of couple, uh, I don't want to say mediocre, but not so great years. He tore it up. And then he dismantled the Patriots pretty much by himself last week. Uh, even with stacked fronts, the Patriots went with eight and nine men in the box. And he still ripped off runs for 8, 9, 10 yards carrying defenders. So it looks like Derrick Henry, barring injury, may be the best back in football now. And uh, I just went online recently between eBay and ComC, and I bought quite a bit of Derrick Henry rookies, and I was still surprised at what low levels they were. Now, I don't know now if they've, they've risen at all, um, but he's really... Uh, I think, a, a good buy at, at the levels I bought him in. So you might want to check uh, him out as well. Let's go to baseball. Uh, Red Sox are reportedly in trouble or accused of using their replay room to steal signs. And I've got a feeling we're going to hear a few more teams, other teams come out being accused of, of using technology uh, to steal signs. I think baseball's got to punish any of these infractions and try to ensure that nothing in the future happens. Tim Tebow is not done with baseball. He's announced he's going to continue to play next year. And the Mets have invited him as a non-roster invitee to spring training like they did last year. So he's back. And a big trade that actually just went down uh, 
we don't know all the intangibles yet or who's going where except for one guy, Matt Libertore, the, the top one of the top pitching prospects in the Tampa Bay Rays organization, has been traded to the St. Louis Cardinals and it's been termed for outfield help. But no players have been named going back to Tampa Bay yet. But Matt Liberatore, one of the top prospects in baseball, one of the top pitching prospects of the Rays, is going to the National League and the Cardinals. Huge auction going down next week at the Mile High Auction Club. Uh, some serious big items in here. I'll, I'll list some of them. The 1956 Mantle jersey that he, one of them that he wore during that Triple Crown winning uh, season. A Ty, a Ty Cobb 1922 game used bat going back to Mantle in 1952 tops. PSA 8 uh, card. Let's hope that's uh, not uh, not trimmed. Uh, a 1929 1930 season game used bat from Babe Ruth. A 1960 Mickey Mantle World Series game used bat. And that Ruth bat is uh, confirmed to at least have hit three home runs. I wanted to add that in there. Uh, Also on Babe Ruth, a 1921 autographed exhibit card. And that's just some of the items uh, in that auction next week at the Mile High Auction Company. have a a lot more. But the, the items I mentioned are all supposed to garner six figures in bids so those are the the big ticket items on a on a you know if this was a boxing match this is uh what we call a great card so that'll be interesting to see next week what these items wind up uh final uh sale price at and i'm sure uh, i'll bring that to you as always All right, joining me now on the Sports Card Nation Monster Energy guest line is um, someone I'm turning the tables on. This gentleman interviewed me uh, in Chicago at the National uh, some months back, and now I get to uh, return to favor, uh, as they say. Uh, his name is Brian uh, Flynn. We're gonna. Uh, he's got some writing credentials. We'll talk about him rather than uh, delay him from coming on the show. And so, Brian, welcome. Thanks, John. Happy to be here. Oh, thanks. Thanks for making uh, the time. Uh, like I said on the intro, I get to sort of interview you now. It's kind of a, a role reversal. Uh, you've written and currently written. You've you, you got your start with the Tuscaloosa News, which uh, for those that don't know, that's the Crimson Tide paper. Um, you've written articles for uh, Sports Card Investor, Major League uh, Baseball Marathon's website. You do the uh, set reviews for about the cards and on their website and like i said you, you interviewed me uh and and many others at the national uh pertaining to the podcast host and that article uh recently came out uh this month in, in sports collector uh digest it's publication i've known being in the hobby a long time that that's been around a while so it was pretty cool a thrill for me to peer in it and you know reading it as a as a store owner back in the day and you know in, in today's day and age with with publications they don't always last that long so kudos to them what was that i know it wasn't your first national but what was that whole experience like interviewing 
uh, all these hosts and, and getting to know them uh, a little bit more personally. And, and then obviously, uh, which culminated in the article that just came out. Well, John, I mean, I, you know, had the idea. I'm a big podcast listener, always yeah. have been. Um, I mean, I listen to, you know, a handful every single day. And uh, I'm a completist at heart. So if I start one, I have to listen to all of them. That's just kind of how I'm yeah. wired. And so, you know, I listen to a ton, including a ton of the sports card ones. And as a freelance writer for Sports Collector's Digest, you're not really assigned stories. You have to come up with ideas on your own. And I thought about it, and I was like, well, you know, there's really not anything out there kind of telling the story about all these podcasts and mm -hmm. who they are, who's behind them, how do they get into it, why do they get into it, and what their influence on in the hobby is. And I knew I was going to the National. I'm, I'm fortunate where my, my regular day job yep. uh, periodically brings me to Chicago. So um, it gives me a few extra days at the National. And so I was like, well, then let's just make the most of it. I can catch up with a bunch of these guys at the National, do face-to-face -face interviews, get a, get a lot better content that way than you would just necessarily all the interviews over the phone. And, and that's where it took off from there and, and wasn't a great experience. And I'm very proud of, of how the article came out. Yeah, well, you should. It was well done. I mean, as someone, as one of the interview subjects, uh, I've done interviews before, some in, in the hobby. Uh, I also coach high school football, so I've done some on that aspect as well. So, uh, not my first rodeo as far as being interviewed. I'm just, you know, giving you background on it. And, and you did a great job. It felt like, you know, even though we had just met that day, uh, you, you did a great job. I felt like I, I knew you already, you know, just from, from text conversations leading up to the actual uh, in-person interview and uh, your style, your nature, uh, kudos to you. It was it was fun. I mean, we I could have probably talked to you for another two hours if uh, uh, if need be. You probably wouldn't have wanted to, but you know that's. No, I could have done the same job. <laughs> so so and that's that's a nice thing, you know. Not every interviewer can can get that said about them. Um, so that's a, a feather in your cap, if you will. And and you know, speaking of the podcast, I mean, it's a great a great story that that you. Uh, you know, feature that you came up with. There's a, you know, I, I counted them up the other day. There's a, I believe now, I mean, I, I probably more uh, tomorrow, but uh, right now I think there's a 27, like, current sports card-related uh, podcast. That's amazing. I, yeah, and I might have missed a couple. Uh, my apologies to, to them. I'm not intentional. I didn't name them also. But, and, you know, and then, you know, in, in researching myself to see how many, uh, these things are going on. There was a good, probably fifteen other ones, uh, Brian, that you know had started and 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 aren't current anymore. So I mean, oh. you add those, and and now you're looking over forty and fifty. And I'm sure there's some a little, maybe a few more off the grid ones uh, that I that I missed too. With all due respect, so it's podcasting in, in general, as you know, as a as a consumer yourself, I am as well. Is has just grown exponentially uh since its uh inception and it's just amazing and, and you know the, the one nice thing it's what i told you during the interview is most of the podcasters uh, at least in the sports card uh, realm get along for the most part and um that's always a nice thing when you can be in an industry and you know not have a lot of strife and and 
and bad blood. I'm, I'm not saying it's all utopia or, or by any stretch of imagination, but you know, it's 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 more good than bad, let's say, and and, and that's nice. And I think your piece kind of illustrated uh, that as much. Uh, as anything as well and you know in interviewing uh, all of us uh, you know anything surprise you common threads you know speak to kind of your takeaways I know it's probably in in I read the piece but you know for those that may have not read the article itself talk a little bit about that whole with the podcaster so I I, I really went in with kind of an idea of of what I wanted to to talk about and, and tie things together. Now, to your point, I felt like going in that uh, that a lot of, of, of you got along with each other because you've been on each other's shows and that kind of thing. Yeah. That was just confirmed completely through everyone. Every, everyone was just complimentary of each other or said, hey, you know, this person came before me and gave me some, some hints, some pointers, or... I've been on this person's show or that person's show. So I had that going in. And then beyond that, I just kind of wanted everybody's story a little bit. Yeah. How'd you get in the hobby? Why did you get into the hobby? You know, almost all of us went away at some point yeah. and came back. What brought you back? And then, you know, just some general questions about how do you see the hobby now? How do you see it in the future? You know, that kind of thing. Because part of the, the, the crux of this article was the influence on the hobby that you guys have because not only are you giving information, you're giving opinion. You're yep. giving your take on, on certain issues, good or bad or, or indifferent. And and how has that influence permeated through the hobby? Because based on the popularity of your shows, a lot of people are coming to you for that kind of content, whether it's I, you know, I want information on the new releases, or I want opinion on the new releases, or you know, the whole negativity going on with yep. the trimming and the mm-hmm. shield bidding and all that kind of stuff. I mean, just this is a medium where everybody can really give their take on the hobby and what they think of it. Yeah, and and you know, one thing uh, did did it surprise you that that so many of us, for the most part, get along? Did that kind of uh, I know you kind of knew that going in, but even when you kind of first realized that and then confirmed by talking to everyone, did that sort of surprise you? Maybe a little bit, just from the standpoint of, look, all of us are collectors, and we're sports collectors. So in some form or fashion, we're all competitive, because yep. that's what drew us to sports in the first place. So I, I think I did anticipate maybe a little bit of some competitiveness between you guys, mm-hmm. but... But really, what permeated more was, I mean, just everybody just supported each other because they felt like, you know, being on everybody's side is just going to build it even more. Yeah, it's sort of a a fraternity, you know, speaking uh, really only for myself. I've come from, I played sports uh, from the age of five. I still play competitive softball, uh, probably not as well at age 47, but I still go out there and uh, dive around and then... Uh, limp around at work the next day, but uh, I'm competitive. I've coached high school sports, so I I am competitive. But what what I've learned, uh, hopefully, I think in, in all these years uh, on Earth is you know I'm I'm kind of compete with myself. You know, I I always with the show. I want this show to be better than the last show. I want the next one to be better than the this one. And and I think that's where my competitive drive comes from because you can ultimately at the end of the day Brian you can only control your actions and and you can't 
make someone listen to your show and not someone else's, nor would I really want to do that. Anyway, I, I've said on this show many times, uh, there's four or five shows at this point that I listen to on a regular basis. And then there's a few others. Um, maybe not everyone I catch, but I will pop in and, and, and catch an episode. So, uh, I, you know, I think some of that, too, I think we all know that. So we're not trying to really beat each other up. And, and you know, I, I just more or less, with the competition-wise, I more or less make it internal, uh, you know, competing uh, with myself, just get better each and, and every time out, hopefully. And, uh, you know, that's that's my my take on it. And I think, you know, regardless of whether someone was an athlete or not an athlete or, or a coach or not a coach, I think we all have that sort of internal drive to do the best we can. And, 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 and you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've, I've been asked for advice from other podcasters, and I've given it. And I've, I asked for it, and it was given to me. And it's just we kind of help each other out, and it's a nice uh, sort of fraternity. Uh, and it, it, it's really, it's, it's kind of refreshing because in a lot of niches, you know, uh, you come in as a writer, you know, you hear stories or a lot of that's uh, competition and it can get ugly sometimes and people stealing stories or interviews or, you know, and so when you have an industry um, that isn't so much like that, it's sort of, sort of refreshing and, and when I first started, I didn't really know what to expect, and so I was surprised myself. That's one of the reasons I asked you that question as, as the interviewer at the National. You know, did that surprise you? Because frankly, it, it it surprised me a little bit. I didn't think uh, I'd be kind of as warmly welcomed as I actually was, and so it's nice. Yeah, and the other thing I'll tell you, John, that that I took away personally was my admiration for everyone from the standpoint that everyone had a similar story in a little bit of a way similar to mine yeah getting back into writing where where we all just went in and we just we just took it on you know nothing was handed to us nobody recruited us you had to make the decision consciously on your own to say i'm going to get into this and i'm going to put everything into it and do the best that i can with it because it's something i want to do it's something it's about something collecting that I enjoy and I've always enjoyed. And so I, you know, I, I want to put my stamp on that and, and now, you know, look what's happened. Yeah, it's, it is crazy. And, and, you know, you, you touched on, you know, we do have some negative things at a hobby, you know, it does, it doesn't really matter what era you, you were a collector or a dealer in. There's always sort of that seat of your side, probably, unfortunately, always going to be, uh, the case this last couple of years has kind of increased with, like you said, some of the uh, grading scandals and trimming and, and shill bidding and, you know, we could go on and on. One thing I try to do with my show, and, you know, you made a, a great point in, in when you were uh, saying is, you know, a lot of people listen and take what you say, you know, and even though it's an opinion, even though it's my opinion and I can get as radical with it as I want or as commonsensical as I want with it. You know, I as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I always take that responsibility kind of, uh, you know, critical. I'm very careful with it because I know someone out there is listening and it might impact something they, they decide to do or how they feel a, a certain way. So, you know, with, with some of those uh, negative stuff, I always, you know, talk about them. Um, I make a point to that. I think if you don't, it's sort of a little bit of a, a disservice. But one of the things, one of the stances I try to do, Brian, is I don't want to, like, just keep repeating the same story every week. If there's a new wrinkle or a new detail comes out, that's one thing. We're going to step away for a quick break, but we'll be right back with more Brian Flynn. Let me tell you about Iron Sports Cards and Collectibles. They're your number one source for all your PSA grading submission needs. They're constantly submitting, so they are always at the ready when you're ready. They offer various turnaround levels at the lowest prices around. Cards are insured to and from PSA at no additional cost to you. And they even provide the card savers your precious cards need to be put in uh, before being sent to PSA. They take care of that for you. And because of their elite status at PSA, they have some of the best turnaround times around. They even have group chats for each submission, so you know exactly where your status is on your cards. They have open dialogue and open communication. What are you waiting for? Contact Rob on Facebook on Iron Sports Card Group. That's Iron Sports Card Group on Facebook. Or get a hold of Rob on Twitter at Iron Sports Cards. All one word, at Iron Sports Cards. They'll take care of you. You know, I always believe in two sides of the story. Someone's allegedly have done something. It may look bad and it may probably, maybe they, they really did do it. But I try to keep it uh, on on those allegedly terms. And I've always said this. If I mention you on the show and you're accused of doing something and I talk about that and it's not true and you're you're pissed off about it and you want equal time, text me, call me. My number is on everything, phone number. I'm not hiding or or anything from from anyone. And uh, text me, call me and say, hey, I heard what you said on episode blah, blah, blah. And it's baloney, and I want to be able to come on your show and refute that or talk about it. I, I believe that it's not lip service when I say it, whether it's verbally or or print, uh, you know, on social media. If if I've talked about anyone that's accused of doing something, uh, I'd want that myself. If someone said John did this 
or John did that, and it's not true. Uh, you better darn well believe I'd want to come on that show and 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 have no problem face the music because it's not true. I, whatever you, you know what I mean. I should be able to explain uh, everything or or illustrate my side of the story, and I really. Uh, believe that uh, I, I don't know if every show maybe feels that way or does that and that's their business too but that's one thing is I always feel like there's two sides to a story come on you know the other thing and I've said this on the show and you probably heard me yourself Brian I've, I've said like you're not going to tell me what questions to ask but I'll give you as much time as as you want if you want to give a 25-minute response. I won't interrupt you. I'll give you all the time. I'm not going to edit what you say. I'll, I'll put it out there. But I do believe, you know, that's the only, the, that's the fair way uh, to go about stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I think it comes down to, you know, whatever you're going to report, you need to report it as accurately as you possibly yep. can. But at the same time, to your point, John, it's your show. Yeah. And, and so you get to set the guidelines for your show and you get to decide... Who gets to be on it? You get to decide what you ask. That doesn't necessarily mean that person's going to answer. Um, but those are your guidelines because that's part of the reason you got into this. It's, yep. is you wanted to put your stamp on it. And in order for you to put your stamp on it, it has to be based on your guidelines. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I'm an equal time guy. I believe that, you know, I recently had a guest on, uh, sort of controversial. Um, if you listen to the show, I probably don't have to say. And, uh, you know, he, he, he wanted to come on. I, I was glad. And, and, you know, I had another guest that was actually scheduled that week. And I, I messaged him and said, hey, do you mind? Can we push this back a week? This person, you know, I was very upfront and honest about who it was and what was going on. And they were they were nice enough to do that. We were, you know, I told that person I'm not going to, uh, I'm going to ask you know, we're going to talk about everything. We're not just going to be just a negative. That's not fair to you either. Uh, we got to get the whole story. But, uh, you know, I'm going to ask some of those questions that people want answers for. And, uh, you know, that, that individual uh, did not uh, shy away from that. If if they would have and say, hey, I don't ask this or I don't want to talk about that, it probably would have never uh, been ha- happened because I think that sort of defeat, you know, if, if you're going to really kind of dictate the interview to that level, then you probably could do your own show and just talk about whatever you want, you know what I mean? And, and, and so I, I you know, I, I was always raised that there was, you know, there's two sides to every story, and I, I tried to do the show, uh, you know, in that fashion. And, and if someone uh, is accused of, of being doing something or being a certain way, I think it's fair, you know, they should be able to, to tell their uh, version or tell their side of the, the story as well. So you obviously uh, are, are into the, in, in the cards as well. Tell us, tell the listeners and, and kind of where it all started, how it started, and, and, and that, uh, like you said, you got, you know, the old adage, you kind of go away and then you come back, kind of tell everyone, you know, the, the history of how you got into cards and, and that sort of thing. Okay, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to give away my age here. I'm, I'm slightly older than you are, John. And <laughs> That's all right. I started, I'm catching I up to you, I believe. The, yeah, I started <laughs> in the 70s, too. You know, I, I was I was a kid that, that, you know, had always been a baseball fan, and even when I was little, and uh, and you just kind of stumbled onto baseball cards in, in the store and got a pack, and was like, this is kind of cool. You know, I get to... I get to see these players that I've, I've been watching on TV. So when when I was younger and growing up, you know, growing up in the South, yeah. um, 
really the only team that you could latch on to were the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. And uh, even though they were terrible, that, that was just kind of your team. Yeah. But late 70s, for, for whatever reason, the team that I actually latched on to and has been my team since is the Oakland A's. And so I, I've stuck with the A's, you know, through thick and thin. Ricky Henderson and Dennis Eckersley are my two favorite players all time. Yeah. But I will tell you this, John. So here's a quick funny story. When, when I was when I was uh, about nine, ten years old, I, you know, I was I was just getting into cards and starting to accumulate a little bit, and I I had not yet latched onto the A's just yet. So I was just kind of just stumbling through, and, and I had a a, a kid a, across the way from us that had moved in, and he he collected cards, and so you know we would trade with each other and that kind of thing, and and right around that time is when I latched onto the A's, and for whatever reason I wasn't thinking this through. But but he and I decided on a trade. He was a big Red Sox fan. Yeah. So I traded him all of my American League cards. He traded me all of my na- all of his National League cards. And and then after that, I realized, okay, now I have no A's cards. <laughs> you know, that, that's a big regret. Yeah. And um and so you know, I guess that was probably my first lesson in uh, you better think all your trades through <laughs> before you uh, before you complete those. But you know, I I, I continued all the way up until. Um, uh, the mid '90s, collecting. I, I worked in a card shop yep. uh, early in high school, and um, and and then you know life gets in the way. You mm-hmm. you, uh, you meet a girl, you get married, you have a family, you, you're establishing your roots and that kind of thing. And and then about about five years ago, I just decided to to kind of pick it up and 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 get back into it. And and like everyone else was was kind of shocked at what I found because it wasn't the it wasn't the same landscape that yeah. I had left before. It was totally different. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've said on you know, you go away even nowadays for a year or two and it's 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 the landscape is completely uh, change and uh, I got to ask you, you know, I know you went away it's the same here, you know, you you start a family. Did you have any of your original stuff or did you have to kind of start uh, fresh again. No, I, 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 I actually kept my original stuff. I mean, yeah. uh, my wife and I moved multiple times early on in our marriage, and and uh, and I, I kept everything with me. Thankfully, um, it, I don't, I don't have the uh, the sob story of yeah. things getting thrown away <laughs> or something like that. Thankfully, but uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I, that I'm proud of. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, a lot of times that story goes the other way, and. You know, my, I moved, I went to college, and my parents cleaned out the garage or my room, and that stuff's gone. And and you know, I knew I had this, and I knew I had ten of those, and and it's their, right. their history. So it's nice that you were able to to keep some of that uh, original collection, which sometimes uh, is not the case. And it's it was neat hearing you talk about you know working in the card store, which is really sort of other than being a kid and collecting. That's kind of where I got my business acumen in, in in the hobby is working at a card store eventually working at shows with that store owner then branching off doing shows myself and then at age 20 opening uh my first card store and, and having that uh for four years and and you know there wasn't there was a five or six year period as well with me where you, you know i kept everything i had it was in the closet or in the garage but i really wasn't active and then you know, my son, uh, who's now uh, about to be 20, actually, 
he got old enough where he was playing sports and becoming a huge fan and I broke those cards kind of back out and and away we went again and it's always nice you know it's nice when you have a hobby that you can if you have to not that you want to all the time but if you have to you can kind of put aside and then still come back to it and and get right back into it is you know some hobbies it's not you don't always have that luxury but you know with, with collectibles uh, you you can still do that, and uh, it, it, it's nice. And you, you know you, you you like those stories uh, rather than when you hear people get out and and then never come back. And um, you know it's 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 it, and I always get a kick. You know I always ask anyone, I, almost everyone I've had on the show, you know how this all come about, and and it's 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 that common thread. It's amazing whether that's a CEO of a card company. Uh, a writer, in your case, uh, me, just a regular person, you know, uh, the the common thread, they're, they're so similar no matter what walk of life you're from. And that's the, the common bond that we all we all have, and it's really cool. That's the great part about it. Everybody has a story. Yeah. You know, just some kind of story, whether you, whether you, you know, you were a kid or somebody gave you cards or, or you know, maybe you lived in, in a certain part of the country and, you latched onto a team or a player or something like that. Everybody has that that unique origin story, but to your point, they're all kind of intertwined. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and like I said, doesn't matter. Like you said, doesn't matter what part of the country you're from, what you know, what tax bracket you're in, uh, what you do for for life's work. Uh, many of the stories have that that common thread right down the middle. And it, 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 you, sometimes you don't realize that till you really listen and hear and and, and like, hey, we got a, I got a lot in common with a, a lot of people in the hobby. And that's that's a cool thing to to look at and 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 think about. And and it's it's nice, you know. Going to step away for a quick break, but we'll be back with Brian Flynn. Tired of that standard annoying team bag? You know the ones I'm talking about. They get wrinkly, baggy, scratched up, and cloudy where you barely can see your prize cards anymore? I was too, until I found the answer. And that answer was crystal clear. That answer? Superior fit sleeves. These sleeves are crystal clear, smooth as silk, and have been what collectors have been longing for all this time. The solution comes in all sizes, from thick magnetics, top loader size, graded cards, and many, many more. I use them. I swear by them. Find yours today at www.superiorfitsleeves.com or go to eBay and search eBay seller Richie 707. That's R-I-C-H-Y 707. You can thank me later. So, um, you know, let's go, you know, back to the, the, the podcast piece you've done um, for, for Sports Collectors Digest. It's, it was the cover story, which was real cool. Uh, obviously yep. now I'm looking at it uh, where I'm sitting in the studio. I have the, 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 the magazine on the wall, the artwork. Is that, do you have anything to do with that? Or is that something the publication takes care of itself? The magazine came up with that. I sent them all the logos. Yep. Um, but they came up with the artwork for the cover of themselves. Yeah. I, I thought it turned out great. Yeah, no, it did. I just, I was wondering if you had it. I thought, I wanted to give you proper credit in case you, you drew it or, or, or designed it and, and stuff. So I want to make sure I didn't uh, give you uh, just do it, as they say. So, but it did no, come that out. that goes to those guys. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, you did a great job with the piece. I think it it was probably a long, you know, kudos to you because probably even before some of these new shows, myself included, um, there was still a good handful of shows. And, you know, it's it's funny no one really did that big of a piece before you did. And, uh, you know, you did a great job with it. And uh, uh, I, I was enjoying reading everyone else's stuff. You know, my stuff, I already know it's me. But, you know, to see everyone else and see how the sim- similar stories and, and whatnot. So, uh, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to scoop you or I, I don't want to, you know, uh, you to give away any of the secret. Do you have anything, things in the works that you can talk about? Or at this point, uh, you, you know, you're like me. Sometimes you fly by the seat of your pants. Well, no, I mean, I'm, I'm actually kind of a, the next couple of pieces I'm thinking about uh, are um, are really the resurgence of the card show. Yeah. Because I know when we were growing up, there yep. was a card show every weekend. You couldn't go anywhere without finding one. They were everywhere. Yep. And then they kind of went away. Yep. And now they're starting to come back. Uh, so that's one of the things that I'm looking at. And then the other thing is is really how the, the local card shop in this market today has had to adapt to survive. Yep. You know, whether it's, whether it's selling on eBay or selling on Com C. Yep. Getting cards graded, doing breaks, um, you know, lots of social media, all that kind of stuff. The, the, the traditional card shop that you and I worked in yep. and grew up with doesn't exist anymore. Nope. It, it's not, it's not like that anymore. So now, it seems like the LCS has got to get extremely creative yep. to, to, you know, gain that customer that's going to come in regularly into the shop. Yep. No, you hit it right on the head, Brian. You know, I had a store from 1992 to 1996. What worked for me then, if I tried that same um, setup today in today's hobby, would would not, I'll, I'll be the first to admit this, uh, pride, pride aside, that would not work in in today's uh hobby in today's industry and you, you you nailed it right on the head is you have to be innovative you have to think outside the box just putting an open sign and putting some cards and showcases and some wax boxes on the shelf sure that's a start but it, it, it's got to be more than that today that worked back in the 90s and and i did fairly well back then but um that 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 business model in today's hobby um, on its own is not enough. And, and like you said, you got to be, you know, I, I, I opened in 1992 as, as a 20-year-old. Uh, I was, you know, as, as long, even though I was in the hobby for a while already, even at age 20, I don't know half the stuff I would need to know in today's day and age. And, and so to the card shops, and there's some really uh big ones doing it right and have been around uh, a while they'll tell you it, it you know they have to be uh, innovative they you know it, they can't rest on their laurels uh they can't get complacent um because that you know we talk about competition that's you know they're they're they have friendly competition too but that's a little more probably a little bit less friendly uh than let's say the podcaster realm um because it's it's you know, it's a finite amount of of, uh, of revenue, and and even though it's a, a large amount of revenue, and yet you, you you're kind of jockeying uh, for position, or you got to come up with something 
uh, creative. You know, a lot of card stores have have resorted uh, to trade nights, which are a great a great thing for the hobby community. You know, people can bring their shoe boxes and monster boxes uh, into the shop, trade with fellow uh, you know hobbyists. Uh, it's good for the store because it it exposes their store to maybe someone new. And now you have 40, 50 people in your shop. You got a kind of a, a captive audience. Obviously, people are going to buy uh, some wax and open stuff. And, and, and it just creates a, a really a great atmosphere. As you know, they do the big trade nights at the National itself. And, you know, it, I'm thinking back to when I ran my store and you worked in the store. We really didn't, like, it was kind of frowned upon, honestly, Thinking back then, it was kind of frowned upon. Like if someone brought, like if someone brought cards into the store, it was to see if the store owner was interested in purchasing them. But no, you know, if if someone was in the store with like a shoebox and like pulled it open and and t- you know to another customer, hey, you want to look through these and you want any? Like a, most store owners would be like, hey, don't do that in here, you know. Yet the tr- now we've evolved with the trade nights. It's it's an accepted practice and actually one that that helps the store. And, and so it's amazing how one facet at one point was co- kind of taboo. Don't do that. And now it's like, hey, we we need to do that. We need to uh, embrace that. This is a great uh, idea, and it's just amazing. You know, I mean, it's twenty years, which is is a long time, but in, in some realms, it's. It's really not. I even talk about, you know, breaking, Brian, you know, when I was younger and, and opening wax packs and buying packs and I didn't want to like anyone to open my packs. Like I'd have friends, you know, I'd have 10 packs like, can I open a couple? And I'm like, no, buy your own, you know. And uh, now we're in the breaking realm where, you know, you're literally buying whether it's a random or you're buying into a team. And that that business that breaker is going to open the product and then send you that your whatever you hit you know and if you would have told you know twenty year old John that this was going to be like this in the future I would have thought you're nuts you know and yet here we are and and I've said this I did a show on breakers that that I really believe you know whether you like breaking or not whether you participate in it or not. They've, in a way, they've saved, I don't, maybe saved is too dramatic of a word, but they've really helped the hobby out because the wax is just getting consumed. There's no, you know, I remember uh, back in the 90s, you know, you could always tell which product was better than the others because the, the, the not so hot products, you know, had dust on them or a little more dust on them. And, and now in, in the breaking industry, it's really everything sells out. It's just what price level, you know, maybe they have to lower. Uh, 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 in a little bit, but it, it eventually sells out. So there's nothing that's necessarily collecting dust and, and, and that sort of thing. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's just, it's just crazy in, in, in a matter of 20 years how things have changed so dramatically. Yeah, and I think you said it right. That I mean, back when we worked in the card shop, there was no adaptability at all. Yeah. You know, the, the owner set the the business, and they were stringent on everything. You know, they, you, you couldn't come in and, and negotiate prices or anything like that because, you know, back then it, they would say, look, the, the 84 Donruss Mattingly is – yeah, it's a hundred bucks because that's what the the Beckett price yeah. says. I'm not selling it for less than that, you know, th- that type thing. Now you walk in, everything's negotiable. I mean, everything. Yeah, yep. um, I mean because the the marketplace is so open that if you're not going to sell to me, I, I I can go online and find ten other shops that will sell to me. Yeah, I can go on eBay and yep. And you know, search and, and find the same card I'm looking for 25 different times, and I, I can find find the right deal for me. So, it's, yeah, it's uh, it's a different world. It's amazing, even and I'm sure you saw this as well, being at the national. The thing, one of the things that's stuck out to me, Brian, walking the floor at the national. You know, when I had the store for those four years, that was really before cell cell phones were really just in the infancy stages. They were those big brick things. I remember having one. It was like $2 a minute to use. I, I remember telling, I had one just more for emergencies and don't call this number unless it's really, really important and, and talking real quick like the micro machine guy so I didn't run up minutes. And, and now cell phones are just a really an extension of us. They're a computer uh, in our pockets, let's let's be honest. And and the thing I picked up, and I I, I want to get kind of your take on it after I mention it was you know walking the Florida National and seeing business go down, and you know you see the 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 person on uh, the dealer with their phone out checking the price. You see the the person interested in the card with their phone out looking up comps, and and you know it. I'm not going to lie about it. You know, it kind of, I don't want to say it bothered me. I know it, 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 it didn't, I, I know that's how business gets done, but it, it just, maybe being sort of an old school guy, a little bit of the old man on the porch, it, it's, you know, it was just sort of odd. It, it didn't surprise me. I know how, you know, I, I expected that, but kind of seeing it on that level with that many people and that many tables, it really just hit home to me. That that's where we are with, with 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 how sales go in the hobby, and you know everyone's checking everything. I mean, it's almost like you know a wall. You see like the 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 floor at Wall Street, and everyone's you know checking the ticker and running around, and it's it, it had that sort of aspect to it. And it, you know, uh, again, being in the hobby uh, this long, it just I remember walking around and just it just one of the things I I took note of and said, wow, that's kind of it's kind of funny, you know. But that proves how adaptable dealers have to be today. Yep. Because 
somebody could walk up and say, oh, you know, uh, um, you got that, uh, that Reggie Jackson 1969 Tops rookie, you know, priced at uh, uh, $300, let's say. I can buy the same card, yep. even a better grade than the one that you have for less than that. Here it is on eBay right now. Yep. So yep. what are you going to do about it? I mean, that's you're right. That's how business gets done today, and it's uh, it's just a, it's it's just totally different. And, it's, uh, yeah. And and, and, and it, you know what? As a consumer, that gives you a lot of flexibility as a consumer. But at the same time, it also forces you to be adaptable as to far you know how you're going to shop and how you're going to negotiate at a show or or in a card shop or or that kind of thing, um, everybody's got to be willing to change. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and going back, and, and I think I speak for you, when, you, you know, you were working the storefront and, and with my store and working in one to start with, um, you know, you were, there was really no eBay in, in, in those times yet. And so you were just, you know, for me, when I had my store, there was a, a another card store about two to three blocks away from where I was. And they they were seventy five percent comics and twenty five percent cards, and we were a hundred percent cards. We didn't do any comics, but in a way that that was really my main competition. And then what wound up happening was that gentleman started, uh, you know, beefing up his cards uh, inventory, and then you know someone came in with like five hundred comic books and said, "Hey, I'm looking to get some of my collection." And I had a partner in the store at that time. He's like, hey, do you want to do this? And, uh, you know, it's funny because that, that other store, we tried to kind of uh, form a friendship with him, since, especially since he was really 75% comics. And, you know, there's two sides to every story, but I'll just say that individual was not a, a very nice or friendly sort of person. And then he started saying bad things and got really nasty. And so... Uh, we, we kind of extended the olive branch. He didn't want to take it. So when this uh, collector brought in this, this extensive comic book uh, collection, you know, I, I, I asked my partner, what do you want to do here? And he's like, listen, normally I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a nice guy, but we, you know, we've extended, tried a, a working relationship with, I uh, won't mention name, and, and he chose really to not only not even think about it, but just even did the opposite just started saying like negative stuff that wasn't true and so my my partner was like let's buy these comics and go and uh you know so then we started you know competition and and, and you know it, it's in today's that was it was kind of one versus one you know what i mean one store versus the other and in today's marketplace like we just talked about you're competing against the world because the world is everyone's in everyone's palm of their hand you know with, with international shipping you can purchase something overseas and get it shipped if you're willing to pay the freight and vice versa right. and so so it's a world marketplace it's not your neighbor it's not just competing with the three stores in your neighborhood and and um, it's just amazing uh there's good and bad to that you know I, I i always i did a show with ebay i called it the blessing and the curse and and i believe that and i won't go i won't i won't go on a, a soapbox rant but one of the reasons i wound up getting out in 96 was that it was just at 24 i was kind of locked into the store and missing out on some things as a younger guy and then ebay came along and it, it enabled me to still sell cards 
and not be kind of in four walls always like at a certain time and um you know i started traveling the northeast doing shows and 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 that and it, it was good but i felt bad because you saw a lot of those stores kind of uh disappear slowly and um you know that part uh, uh you know was sad or from a sentimental point of view as someone uh, like yourself and grew up in the 70s with the cards and card shows and the stores and and hands-on transactions and impersonal you know transactions face to face with someone having that card in your hand that element sort of kind of drifted away and so looking at it from that perspective it it, it kind of made me sad but it's it's where we are you, like you said You've got to embrace it. You got to adapt, or you're going to go. You're not going to survive. You're not going to uh, to do well. And and I think most people uh, know that, do that. And like you said, store owners have to 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 kind of be on on their on their tippy toes and on their game because uh, they're competing against so many different elements at the same time. We'll be right back with Brian's take after this quick commercial break. We love our listeners. Without you, there is no us. We care about your opinions and feedback and invite you to reach out to us on any of our social media accounts. On Instagram at Sports Card Nation Podcast. Twitter at Sports Card N-A-T-I-1. Or email the show at SportsCardNationPC at gmail.com. We don't ask for much, but if you really like the show, give us a shout out. Tell your friends or give us a follow on our social medias. If you enjoy the show, please give us a positive review on iTunes or any of the platforms you are listening on. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I mean, for me personally as a collector, I, I'm a set builder. Yeah. That, that's my forte, and, and I've enjoyed doing that ever since I was a kid. Probably, again, because I'm a completist, and that's just yeah. you know how I operate. But So my challenge as a set builder is you know this is a a a hit world that we're in now that's what everybody's chasing is the hits so my biggest challenge is finding where all the the commons and the base cards go (laughs) because a lot of them just disappear and and they're not out in the market where you can get them or people don't really want to deal with them and so they overprice them to compensate for the fact that they don't want to deal with them so you know there's kind of a chase factor with that if that's what you're really into in building sets is is you know finding some lots of commons that you need to complete the set because they're they're just not out there in, in abundance like they should be yeah that's a great point and and, and it, that what you said just made me uh something else i saw at the show i don't know if you you saw this uh, as, as you walked the floor uh kind of disappointing when i saw it you know they obviously they have different trash cans uh at different points of, uh, uh, in, in the show at the National. And it seemed like every trash can I walked by sitting right on top was just cards people throw out. What we might call base cards or commons. Like you said, they were pulling the hits or the inserts or whatever they wanted and just throwing them in the trash. And I saw that and I just thought, that's terrible. I mean, give it to a kid. Give it to a five or six, seven-year-old kid that just likes the cards uh you know you keep someone involved in the hobby to just throw them in the trash really sort of you know 
made my stomach kind of turn when I saw it. And it wasn't one tra- It was as I walked the show, just every, almost every uh, receptacle had had some cards in there just, just tossed in. And I just, I thought, man, I, you know, uh, I, it was odd seeing it, you know. And I, I don't want to say I was completely caught off guard, but just to see that like that, you know, um, it's kind of sad because someone would enjoy those, you know. I mean, there's, there's whether that's you completing a set or me even trying to finish a set, or just some kid. Hey, I love the Reds, you know, or I love the A's. Give me, I just want all those. What there, there's those didn't have to be tossed aside like that. And and you know, again, maybe it's the old man port syndrome, but that really sort of uh, you know hit me right in the solar plexus when when I saw that that you know. I know someone, a few people actually, there were a few social media posts uh, on it too as well that other people really were kind of disappointed or upset uh, seeing that. John, it almost makes you wonder if it would be in the Nationals' best interest with that going on to maybe monitor the trash cans, not necessarily dumpster dive, but you know, just walk around and when they see that, take them out and, you know, little packets and give them to all the kids yeah or something, yeah great you know? point better better even better brian I, I, i'll give you credit why not just have some sort of you know like you see next to sometimes super yeah donation box well, unwanted cars please place here to be redistributed yep. why not you know it's not going to take up uh any more room than that trash can would and, right. and it can be, re, you know, reused and, and someone else will appreciate it where maybe that person doesn't for whatever their personal reasons, that's their business. Well, why not? Can someone, you're throwing them out anyway. So just place them in this bin and, and they can be redistributed. Yeah, that's a great idea. It's a, I, I hope if someone hasn't uh, brought it up already, uh, they should, yourself included, and and it makes sense. It makes sense. We have a lot of these organizations that collect the cards uh, for kids, Commons for Kids, right. and others. So why not incorporate them? You know, uh, I I've even you know said that I think there should be uh, maybe I'm biased or, or whatnot. I think there should be a podcaster's role at at the at the national. And, uh, you know, we have a Breakers Pavilion, and, you know, there should be kind of a section for sports card uh, podcasts that those that, can att- that those that can attend. And, and with these cards that are just getting tossed in the trash, have, you know, collect them for those organizations that redistribute them to kids who will appreciate them. It's, it's, it's a, a great way to get those in the hands of... Uh, even not even just kids. I mean, there'd be some adults that are, are team collectors. Hey, get, you know, I'll take any A's you can get me or any Reds or whatever team, you know. And that way they don't have to be just tossed aside like that. Sort of, to me, it's it's almost sacrilegious seeing that. I've never, I got to say, other than maybe I dropped a card on the floor uh, in the few rare occasions that happened where it really got uh, beat up or something like that, a, more of a modern card. Maybe I toss something like that, but I've, I don't, I, to my recollection, I've never thrown cards out. And, uh, I probably never, I don't see, I've, I've never, I don't see a situation where I would. I've given cards away. You know, I've been in, you know, uh, back even when I had my own store or even I've been in a store and opened a pack and there was a kid there and, hey, you want these? 
you know, here, you know, maybe there was a, a star and hey, there's a Kuna, buddy. Here you go. You can have that. Enjoy, you know. And so you, you pass that, that hobby on, but just to toss those cards like nothing into a, a, a trash bin is, is, I don't know, it really, it, it, I, I don't want to say it shocked me, but like I said, it really made my stomach uh, turn seeing that. And it was like every one that I went past, it was like a common theme, and it was, and like you said, it's it's a great idea. Why not just have three, four, five boxes that you, people can just place those cards in? Put them near the breaking pavilion, you know, where those cards are probably going to get tossed aside their most by by whoever gets them and and whatnot. Yep. So it's it's not really rocket science, honestly. Just it's it makes sense. It's smart, and uh, hopefully we we see that. You know, as early as, as next year in Atlantic City. There you go, John. We're solving the hobbies problem. <laughs> one one step at a time. Yep. That's well, right. Yep. Well, Brian, this was a, a pleasure having you on. Uh, get to turn the tables uh, a little bit uh, on you. Obviously, a great piece. Uh, I'm not just saying that because I'm in it. it. It was just well done. The fact that I'm in it is an honor and a privilege. Uh, I want to thank you for doing that. Uh, I think I speak for for all the podcasters that that appeared uh, in that piece. It was just uh, probably long overdue, uh, very well done. Uh, For those out there that haven't seen it yet, get a copy if you can. Track it down online. It's uh, Sports Collector Digest. It's a January uh, 3rd issue. Uh, I appreciate you sharing some of the things you got coming down the turnpike. I didn't want to, I felt funny putting you on the spot because you didn't want to give away everything you're doing. Uh, but I appreciate you, you doing that and, and, and doing stuff, uh, for that's good, you know, uh, with the hobby, uh, the positive part of the hobby, uh, in mind and how, how to, uh, to be better and do things, uh, the right way. Thanks, Brian. John, I, I, yeah, I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been an honor being on your show and, and, uh, I followed your show since the beginning and, uh, just continue to keep up the great work. I'm trying, and and, and I've said this, and I'll say it since you're on, but, but I've said this before. You know, we're a guest-driven show. We're a heavy interview show. We, we've really, every week now, we do have a, a guest, and, and I've said the show, we're as good as, as our guests, and, and we've had some great ones, and now yourself included, and uh, less of me and more of, of the guests is the better recipe. So, uh, you know, I probably talked a little bit too much during our interview, but maybe that's the interviewer and you coming out and get me to do that. But, you know, that's that's what we strive to be, is, is a kind of an interview show. And, and I appreciate you, you know, uh, you know, giving us some time. For sure. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, that's a wrap on episode 58. I hope you enjoyed uh, my conversation with freelance writer Brian Flynn. Again, really great dude. Brings a lot of of hobby experience. Been been in the hobby uh, quite a while. Like we both say, you know, the common uh, theme, you know, you you do have a few four or five years where you kind of go away. But we always seem to come back. And uh, it was was cool sharing some of those uh, stories and, and common threads with him and I'm, I'm sure a few of you out there uh, probably heard that and and can relate to a, a lot of what we were talking about so uh, look for more uh, future writings from from mr flynn uh, he's on top of his game and uh, you know has the the best interest of the hobby 
uh, in mind. He wants to make the hobby better, and uh, that's uh, a positive thing. Uh, you can see we, we've changed, a f uh, if you've heard the show before, you've seen we've kind of changed things up, kind of putting some of the, the breaks in between uh, the interviews, putting the hobby and the sports segments uh, intermingled them together, and that's in an effort to get the show a little more condensed, a little shorter in, in time and length um, without cutting anything out. One thing I've always said is we'll never limit the interviews. Sometimes they can go long, like 49 minutes. Sometimes they could be 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 25. We're just going to let the conversation kind of go where it goes and, 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 and that being uh, said, you know, and, and someone's willing to come on the show and give some of our time. I, I don't believe in cutting them off and, and limiting them. So that won't be condensed, but by doing some of those where we place things in the show and, and uh, we can shorten it up a little bit so it's a little more edible, uh, maybe uh, in one sitting, if you will. Uh, so let us know what you think. If you ever have any feedback or, or ideas, we're going to be bringing back the uh, wide open segment uh, shortly here. I know we haven't done that in, in maybe a month or a month and a half where we answer listener questions. We're going to uh, try to bring that back, maybe not every week, but you know, every every couple weeks, uh, I think it's very important. And, you know, again, anything you like or don't like, uh, you know, let me know. Uh, uh, I'm not going to bite your head off. I, I want that feedback. I want that that uh, so we can make this the best show uh, we, we possibly can. So with that being said, uh, we're going to call it a day. Uh, we'll see you in a week. Uh, next week, we tentatively have scheduled... Uh, Steve Chata from 101 Card Shop, great breaker, real again, really good dude. We try to have really good people uh, for guests, and so Steve's been on uh, a few, uh, uh, I think, a couple months ago, and he's one of our sponsors as well. He's a Cleveland Browns fan, and we're going to talk a little bit about his Browns and what's going on there, and a little bit about breaking in the hobby as well. So we'll see you. We'll see you in seven days. Thanks, everyone. Take care. You've been listening to the Sports Card Nation podcast. Join host John Newman next week as he gives you another jam-packed episode of all things related to the sports card hobby. And a little extra fun, too. Don't forget to check out the show on Instagram at Sports Card Nation Podcast. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.